NZR's General Manager of Community Rugby, Steve Lancaster, to join the programme now. Steve is here, of course, with the new innovations that have been released today around rugby. Steve, welcome to the programme. I suppose I'll let you do the talking. Could you summarise, please, exactly what these innovations are? Yeah, sure thing, Darcy, um, and thanks for having me, as always. It's a pleasure. Um, so, look, two, two of these um, law or game innovations we're trialling at, at all levels of community rugby this year, and, and that is the, the tackle height law and the, um, the scrum law um, with regards to the halfback pursuing the ball around the scrum. So the tackle height is being lowered um, to um, what we're defining as the, the sternum, but in essence the target zone is being lowered to the belly. Um, and the, the scrum law is um, an extension of a law we trialled in limited capacity this year where the, um, the, the halfback of the team that doesn't feed the ball to the scrum is unable to uh, advance past the tunnels. They can't follow the halfback around um, and be a nuisance at the foot of the scrum. The third trial is an extension of the trial um, that we've had in play this year, uh, limiting um, the ability to push beyond one and a half metres in the scrum. Uh, we're just not 100% sure that we've, um, we've, we've got enough clarity around the benefits of that trial yet, so we want to continue that for another year or so in limited grade. That also has an asterisk, though, doesn't it, Steve? If you're within the try line, five metres within, you can carry on pushing. Yeah, that's right. And, and look, it's, you know, some people will say, well, if you're concerned about limiting the scrum, why not limit it completely? But um, we walk a bit of a fine line in terms of you know, retaining the, the key attributes of our game. Um, we still want front rowers to have a place in the game and, and the ability to, to play a role. And so we think by still allowing a pushover scrum from within five, five metres of the try line, um, that's a that's a, a manageable um, area to, to allow that to occur, whereas at all other parts of the field, um, scrums would be limited to one and a half metre push. This doesn't apply to first 15 or premier senior club rugby, but it applies to all other grades. So you trialled these last season, and I believe the overwhelming positivity around these innovations, but some people may be not necessarily enamoured with what you're attempting to do. So pushback-wise, what, what was the main issue? Yeah, Darcy, I have to I have to say that the feedback was overwhelmingly positive, uh, and so we got a lot of subject of uh, feedback or qualitative feedback as well as just the simple, did you know, do you think this improves safety of the game or, or not? Um, but most of the subject of feedback we got was actually around areas that we could go further, and you know, a lot of the participants talked about um, extending uh, game innovations to the breakdown uh, to try and tidy up the breakdown. We didn't actually get. Any, you know, or any significant feedback um, that was opposed to or disagreeing with um, these two laws that we've rolled out at all levels. Let's talk about transitioning from these innovations to the next level beyond first 15 in club rugby. Is there a difficult area there for players to adjust to, Steve? Yeah, so uh, that was one of our, our, our major considerations, particularly with the, the halfback um, law around not being able to follow the ball around the scrum and, and that being a, a legitimate defensive tactic at, at high levels of the game. But in terms of the, the tackle height change, we're, we're simply lowering the target zone. So substantively, that doesn't require any major changes to how players transition. A tackle will still be a tackle. Um, you know, the, that that. Um, the acceptable upper limit for that tackle will shift up sort of you know, six to eight inches, I guess, um, beyond community rugby, but we don't anticipate any issues with that. Um, our high performance team also um, had a lot of input into this, and, and they're telling us that you know, coaching is evolving now to really targeting 
uh, tackle contact below the ball uh, to really try and dominate the collision rather than focusing on, on trying to seal the ball off above all other things. And so this is actually quite complementary to where the game's evolving um, in the high-performance um, aspects as well. Um, the, the scrum um, law around the, the halfback not being able to advance beyond the tunnel, uh, again, uh, you know, engaging with our high-performance team, their view is that that'll be a pretty simple adjustment for players to make as they progress through the grades. So the first tackler that comes in and must tackle below the sternum, in the guts, but the second tackle involved, that tackler can hit higher below the shoulder area as per the current laws. Could you talk us through that, please? Yeah, and look, this is this is a really good example of why these are experimental law variations. We, we're going to trial this for a year and we will continue to learn and, and potentially either adapt or enshrine these laws based on what we learn, but... One of the things we learned this year when we trialled this with all tackles being restricted to below the sternum was that there was a sense, um, and while we didn't have any injury data that necessarily backed this up, there was certainly a sense that requiring all tacklers to lower the target level did increase the, the potential for head clashes uh, of tacklers as they make contact and you know their heads meet behind the player. So uh, our thinking is that we further enhance the safety of the tackle by mandating that the first tackler must tackle in the belly zone. Uh, and that's most, you know, most tackles are one-person tackles anyway, single tackler tackles. Um, but where there's more than one tackler, that we just increase that, that zone a little bit to uh, reduce the risk of injury to the tackler as opposed to the tackled player. And I suppose, Steve, you'll understand more about the application of that through the refereeing once you've seen this in action, hence a trial. Yeah, look, and again, we're really talking about the, the, the target zone here as opposed to um, removing any grey areas whatsoever. So, you know, sometimes you have two tacklers arriving simultaneously, and I guess, you know, we'd, if, if players are, are not clear in their own minds as to whether they're the first tackler or the second tackler, then they should be targeting that belly zone irrespective. As I say, we didn't actually see uh, um, uh, any real incidents of those head clashes. We just thought that there was an increased potential by mandating that, uh, which is what we're trying to minimise. Steve, there's been a lot made about the safety of the tackler. What about the safety of the, the tackly, if that's such a word? <coughs> tackly, yeah, tackled player, or the ball carrier, actually, is what we, we refer to. No, the, the, the primary consideration is always the ball carrier, but you know, what we have seen over time is that actually um, injuries in tackle situations are, occur as often uh, to the tackler as they do to the ball carrier, but... But absolutely, um, the, the intent with this law change is to protect both of those participants, right? So, you know, tackling um, tackling lower reduces the likelihood of a um, of contact with the head, so that that protects the ball carrier. And we think we're increasing a, a larger buffer zone, um, yeah, between the um, you know the, the the nipple line, I guess you'd say, of the sternum and the and the head. Um, but the tackler uh, is also protected from um, contact or from dangerous contact if they're targeting that soft um, belly zone. We're joined by New Zealand Rugby's General Manager of Community Rugby, Steve Lancaster, looking at these new innovations. Steve, what was the primary driver behind these innovations? Well, we've been looking at the, the shape of the game and, and the safety of the game now. And we, and we look at all of these things through do, both of those lenses, right? How do we make the game as safe as possible? And how do we make the game as attractive as possible to play? And, and so we've been looking for some time now at the shape of the game um, through both of those lenses. COVID's got in the way a bit of our ability to, to advance some of these measures. But, you know, we've had a number of trials in play this year. We had five in play this year, actually, two of which we're not continuing because we, we didn't feel that they... Um, generated the benefits that we were, we were looking for, um, and we'll continue, Darcy, to um, to, to trial new law variations uh, in different grades, just to to really ensure that the game is as safe as possible and as enjoyable as possible to play.
this is purely New Zealand-based, obviously, Steve, but what about the global game? What do they make of what you're trying to do? Well, look, World Rugby are really supportive of this. Um, Progressive Rugby, who are a lobby group in the UK, have already picked up our release today and published it on their website, and they're really complimentary of it. Um, and other nations are also looking at, at, at their own innovations and looking at what we're doing, and we're all sharing information in this space. We, you know, we, we don't compete with each other at a community level. We, we all want the best for the game, so there's lots of interest and, and lots of positivity. And a lot of that positivity, I'm presuming, Steve, is the fact that you're encouraging the ball to be in play more, something we're seeing a lot more of. For example, in the World Cup currently running here, it's not just necessarily about physical dominance. Yes, you are competing for the ball, but it's about running, flowing rugby. And that's something I think everybody wants to see. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you've raised that, actually, Darcy, because as I said, the, you know, the, the primary lens here is safety, but the secondary lens for, for us is, is absolutely shape of the game. And um, we got really positive feedback on both of the, the laws, the, the tackle law and the halfback law, um, that they significantly enhance the flow of the game. So the tackle law enables more offloads, which creates more continuity, which in turn creates more opportunities to attack. And, and the halfback law has really decluttered quite a messy area of the game. And so feedback from um, both defending and attacking perspective was that that's enhanced the game. So throughout the innovation, Steve, predominantly what are you focused on? What are you looking at to determine whether this is something that's going to come in full-time or not? Yeah, so we conducted pretty robust exercise in, in assessing the, the, the trials this year, and we'll continue to do that. But firstly, we're, we're looking for evidence, and we want to take an evidence-based approach. So have we reduced the incidence of injury or the potential of injury? Um, and secondly, um, are our participants telling us that this makes the game more enjoyable to play? Uh, so those are the two things that we're looking for in, in considering whether we take this further or not. So come season's end, you'll determine whether this is a failure or a success and then you'll implement or not? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we'll absolutely be assessing these over the course of the coming season and, and at the end of next or following next season, we'll confirm whether these will remain in place or not. Our, we believe we've got it right, so we hope that they will. Um, but we'll probably go further, Darcy. You know, so the other thing that's come through really strongly in, um, in our participant uh, engagement is that they think we should have a look at the breakdown and, and see if we can do anything there to sort of tidy that up and uh, improve the, um, the quality of play and, and the safety of that part of the game. So we'll be having a look at that over the course of the next year and, and you can probably um, expect to see some, some new trials for 2024. Breakdown. Gee, there's a can of worms, mate. What are you looking at specifically? Um, so nothing specifically that we'll try, but a couple of things that we want to look at. One is just the, you know, we know that um, the, the, the jackal player um, who's trying to turn over the ball is quite exposed at a breakdown. And, and so, yeah, you know, we think that's an area we could have a look at in terms of how um, the ball is able to be contested on the ground from a safety uh, and game flow perspective. And, and the other area that we really want to have a look at is how can we, um, manipulate the breakdown to further create um, more space in the game, right? So that we we take the game back to being more about manipulating space than dominating collisions. So, you know, it logic flows, I guess, that actually if you have more players at the breakdown uh, or you create more incentive for a contest at the breakdown, um, then there'll be less players in the defensive line. Um, it's going to less look like a picket fence defensive line and, and there'll be more opportunities to attack. So, those are the kind of things that we're thinking about and, and that will guide our thinking about, OK, what things could we trial? But um, we'll engage with, with the game in determining what those are and um, yeah, give us another 12 months and we should be in a position to let you know what we're thinking. NZR's General Manager of Community Rugby, Steve Lancaster, thanks very much for your time and your explanation. Good luck across this. Cheers, Darcy.